Welcome to the Next Tuesday Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Susie. I'm Caroline. And we're making women great again, even though we were already pretty great. We share authentic business stories, one woman at a time. We're a little Wall Street and a little woo-woo. We'll see you next and every Tuesday. Happy Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving week. Yay. We're all sitting here, hanging, being thankful AF. Thankful AF. Hashtag. One of the things we're thankful for is that you guys have been responding to surveys that Sue sent out. That's pretty cool. If you haven't done so and you're listening, please do that. The survey is in our Instagram profiling. And if you have anything you would like to say, Share. share... There's a space you can put whatever you like, make it nice. And then there's some multiple choice questions and some select what you think questions. And we are going to do our best to implement some cool things in the new year as we continue to meet with awesome, inspiring ladies. Anyway, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm traveling to California. That's exciting. It'll be exciting. I think it'll be really good. We haven't traveled together yet brian and i they're going to california to see brian and well his family i guess yeah so we haven't traveled before but that'll be they say traveling can make or break a relationship being of traveling and relationships how was your anniversary oh yeah two years married hashtag survival ah uh, <laughs> just kidding i actually i posted something on instagram uh, just being like, it's our two years. And the, I showed Ryan my caption because it was like year one, we barely survived. And then year two, we're killing it. And he made me edit year one like 20,000 times. He was like, I know you're transparent, which is cool and shit, but like, can you make it sound a little more inspiring than like <laughs> we didn't survive? And I was like, well, we did survive. And like, now I'm just saying the contrast, like, yeah. Relationships are hashtag hard, but people don't say that enough, though. I think, know? yeah, I think it. I don't know. I just feel like the more here we go, authentic we are in A life, word. the more we can connect and feel like life is hard enough. Sometimes it's nice to know you're not alone in or crazy for feeling like it is hard and everyone doubts stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think we should probably segue into who we've got on deck this week. Speaking of thankful and appreciating the challenges in life that are sometimes unexpected, this week we have projects just like you where we're interviewing Molly Corte who took a passion project. Her son is autistic and instead of getting super caught up in all of that and what that means, she has used it instead to create a platform for other special needs children or children of differing abilities so that she can showcase them and kind of show the rest of the world how awesome they are. Yeah, not getting so focused on what makes them different, but more so like what makes all of us the same. And and, awesome. And awesome. And how inspiring we can all be, like when we just take a moment to find appreciation for the little things in life and the magic that exists within all of us. So we have Molly Corte from Project Just Like You. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Okay.
welcome to the next Tuesday podcast. <laughs> We've been traveling the past weekend, week, and for me, it feels like the past 10 days. And so we're finally back in the Hanny in Richmond, Virginia, with Molly Corte, the executive director and founder of Projects Just Like You. Yes. Hello, Molly. Hi, thanks for having me here today. Thanks for coming. We're so excited that you're here. Molly and I have the same dress. Not on right now, but like she walked in, she's like, (laughs) I have that dress. I was like, I have that dress. That's on my body right now. (laughs) So we're twinning, which is awesome. Synergy. (laughs) Thanks, Stitch Fix. You should send us free stuff. Right. Send us all (laughs) three free boxes. All right, Molly, you just were... Telling us your title, yeah. a project just like you, and you said you became a nonprofit in June. That's um, a really no big, worries. exciting step. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we literally just became a nonprofit, and I have to tell you, I'm sitting here trying to figure out this whole nonprofit thing. So I'm sitting at home after the kids go to bed with my my nonprofit for dummy book, highlighting yeah. it, trying to get a feel for it. I mean, it's it's a huge transition from where I came, and I'm trying to do it fluidly. But really, we started out as a social media campaign. My son, Jacob, was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder last June. And so I kicked it in really back in September, last September. And so trying to figure out how the whole nonprofit thing fits in with what I'm doing, I'm still figuring it out. So So take us on that journey. (laughs) Yeah. Your son was diagnosed. And then you started on Instagram. What age was he was diagnosed? He was 16 months old. Okay. So he got a very early diagnosis, Which is great. Which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I went through a mourning period because clearly this is not how we saw our life. You know, I had two girls that are mainstreamed. And I knew at that point that my life was to be completely different. So I still tried to go to the play dates and I still tried to do the, the normal activities I did with the girls. It wasn't happening anymore. Right. And so I went through this really deep depression for about two months. And then finally, it was my dad, actually. My dad was this force of good. I mean, he was just this amazing force of love and good and everything wonderful. And I remember I went to my parents after right after he was diagnosed and I said, Jacob was just diagnosed with autism. And my dad looked at me took my hands and with tears starting from down his face, he said, Molly, I know what you're thinking, but he said, don't you see what a gift this is to our family? Jacob is going to make us more compassionate. Jacob is going to make us more loving as a family. He's going to bring us closer together. And I thought, crap, well, my mentality is completely off on this. You're right, Dad. Like, why didn't I? Of course. But that is so normal, right? And I love going back when you said your other two children were mainstream. I love that you didn't use the word normal because what is normal? Right. Uh, But, you know, as a human, like, you have a right to go through all the emotions and, you know, to be selfish with your life and to contemplate all the discrepancies between what you thought you were going to have and where you are now and thinking about what it was before this event happened happened in life and even though we'll hear a little more about how you came in to make it something positive like your father was telling you I think Mm -hmm. for those listening you know like it's okay to go through those morning periods and be in that yes and not feel guilty about it yeah Yeah. right yeah absolutely it's very human of me Mm -hmm. so I'm not obviously not apologizing not taking it back I felt I had to go through that yeah to get to the point of project is like you yeah 
So what were some of the things that led you to take Jacob in to be you know, evaluated? Yeah, that's a great question. So Jacob was, I mean, so when he was very little, my husband and I used to joke about him being the Jimmy Buffett baby. And we just thought, you know what? He's a boy. He just takes his time. He's our little Jimmy Buffett baby, just taking his time, doing whatever. Deep in my heart, though, I knew something more or I felt something more was going on. I couldn't prove it. I couldn't, I didn't know much about autism at the time, but that was a thought that came to me. It was like, I wonder if your intuition, was intuition. Speaking. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I would look at Jacob and Jacob would be sitting on the floor with other people around him. He was not engaged. He would stare out into the void. He would just grind his little jaws. He didn't have teeth at the time, but grind his little jaws. He would just sit staring out and you would try to, hey, Jacob, or you'd shake something at him or you'd, and he, no connection whatsoever. And like I said, just, we just talked it up to that he's a boy and he's going to take his time. But there was such a disconnect. And when he was 12 months old, we took him to his checkup and his pediatrician, who's absolutely amazing, Dr. De Silva, I love you. <laughs> if, you if you hear this, she at that time said, you know what, he's developmentally delayed, but I don't see any concern. And then I brought him back around March because he had eczema rash all over his body. And I brought him back and she looked at him again and she said, Molly, I don't know why I didn't see this the first time when he came in for our checkup. We need to go to my office and talk. And of course, you hear those words as a mom. And you immediately want to vomit. Yes. I and mean, I almost I did. Yeah, I just heard those words and wanted to puke. Like, <laughs> yes. Good grief. Like, way to give somebody a freaking heart attack in your office. Right. Oh, my God. No, she, she's, she is amazing. I mean, like, this Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she's phenomenal. A, I'm just, like, an anxiety-ridden human. And oh. I would have, like, died. Oh, yeah. Probably I just would have, like, killed over right there. I would have some heart attack. I almost started there. crying. I don't know. I, I just looked at her. I was like, oh, crap. I know what's coming next. And so we went into our office, and she said, Molly, look, I can't formally diagnose Jacob, but I am 99% sure that he has autism, and I want you to get him formally diagnosed. And, of course, my heart sunk. And I still remember every single detail that day. We came out of the doctor's office. I remember it was springtime. I remember, I mean, I just remember everything. And I sat Jacob down in his chair in his little car seat, and I slumped over as I got into my minivan. <laughs> Mom, man. Soccer man. Yeah. <laughs> and I just sat there and I started crying. I couldn't even process anything else around me at that time. Right. Because it's so scary. So scary. And it was my biggest fear. So I'm more on the natural side. When I was pregnant, I didn't get any of the flu shots. I didn't because I was so terrified of something like this yeah. happening. And here was my greatest fear coming to reality. Right. And I didn't have it proved at that time, but I knew, I knew, I just, I just knew it. And I, at the same time, there's a slim chance that maybe she's wrong. Maybe she's wrong. And so we called over and you see this whole process was crazy too. We called over to get a diagnosis and we were told, okay, he'll get in a few weeks time from, from my pediatrician. And I called over and they said, ma'am, this keep in mind, this is March at this time. We can't see Jacob until November. Oh my God. And you can only call one day to this office, the first day of every two months or whatever it is. And I said, what am I supposed to do? I mean, this is March and you're telling me November. And so I went back to Dr. De Silva and I said, Dr. De Silva, they're telling me November. What am I supposed to do? And she goes, okay, we'll call UVA. They'll get you in immediately. I call UVA and in March of 2016, they're saying the earliest we can see him is June of 2017. Oh my God. And I said, are you kidding me? Like, what am I supposed to do? They're like, I'm sorry, ma'am. We can put your name on a waiting list. 
So they put my name on a waiting list. They put my name on the waiting CDPA. They put my name on a waiting list at the specialist we saw here in Richmond. I get a call. We're on vacation now. This is June. I get a call in early June at the beach from a Dr. Frazier's office, the specialist that saw Jacob, ultimately saw Jacob. And they said, I don't know how this happened, but we have a spot on June 30th at 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why it's open, but I said, can you, are you able to take this? And I said, oh, heck yeah. yeah. So we actually leave the beach early. It must have been like later on in June, actually, because it was at the end of June when he's diagnosed. <laughs> yeah. I just remember we cut the, short, the trip short because yeah. hell yeah, we're going to get our son diagnosed as soon as possible. So we went in there and of course he was formally diagnosed. And I remember sitting in that cold, hard chair in the unforgiving room and the tears were falling. And I looked at the nurse after he was diagnosed and I said, how did this happen? Like, how did we get in this soon? And she said, Molly, I was looking down the list of names. I said, well, were you the first person on the list? How did this happen? She goes, you were not even close to the first person on the waiting list. I looked down the names and your name just stood out to me. And I said, I need to call her in. Yes. Stop. I can't. So that is what transpired. So that's the beginning. That was the beginning. Do you feel like as you think about your story and you think about what you're developing out of this, that somewhere within you, your biggest fear might have been because you might have always known that there was something ahead of you? Yes. I think that that had a lot to do with it. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. It was in my heart. I, like I said, I didn't know much about autism, but it was in my heart when I saw Jacob. I had heard other people talk about it. Someone even asked me, do you think that it could be autism? And I laughed it off. I thought, oh, no, ridiculous. Ha, ha, ha. Nervous, nervous, nervous in the inside. Yeah. And I, I just kept that in the back of my mind, that something was off. And so that day of diagnosis, like I said, when it all came together, that fear of the unknown finally came to light. And they say that people on the spectrum are like puzzle pieces. And it's so true. I don't know if either one of you have, have worked or dealt with people who have autism. We both have. You both have. So you're very fam- so you're familiar with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jacob, we have to figure out with Jacob what he means when he comes to us and says, or, you know, when he comes to us, like, for example, he will sing the song to us, Baba Black Sheep. Mm-hmm. It's the one song he knows, but he sings it all the time. And at first you think, that's cute, Jacob. You all good. You have the song. That's wonderful. But what we have figured out with Jacob is Jacob's not singing Baba Black Sheep because he likes the song. He's singing because he recognizes that everyone else recognizes that song. And he's trying to make a conversation with you. And it hit me. I was like, this is the puzzle pieces people keep talking about. And so that's his way of trying to communicate with people is by singing Baba Black Sheep. So if Jacob comes up to you and starts singing it, that's his way of saying, hi, I'm Jacob. I'm trying to have a conversation with you, but I don't know how to do it. So this is my way of communicating. And so we, we see these little idiosyncrasies. We see these things about him. And it's, it's kind of amazing, actually, in a way, because we are pulling him into our world. And that's huge because Jacob is prone to live in his world and... We keep, you know, we keep, and he keeps trying. And I think that because of the early diagnosis, because of the fact he's getting different, you know, different services, different therapies, it's really helping him to integrate. 
Last week we had a great week. And this is the other thing too, Jacob. We'll have really good weeks. And then the next week it's like it never happened. So we'll see lots of progress. But we celebrate those good weeks. Right. So like last week he actually made a placenta swiss because I a good boy. And that really touched my heart because we reinforced with Jacob every single day, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. You're doing good things, Jacob. And so the fact that he knew how to translate to himself saying, I, taking away, you know, using the right pronoun, blew us away. So he said, I, a good boy. He turned off the water when I told him to turn off the water, which was huge. Because if Jacob's not interested in what you're saying to him, he's not, you know, he's not going to do it. So he turned off the water by himself. He said, I, a good boy. And he shared and I can't tell you how much that touched me when he shared, because sharing is a whole nother concept for him. So he, he, we were sitting at the restaurant. It's kind of funny, actually, because we were sitting at the restaurant. And he had a grilled cheese sandwich. I broke the grilled cheese sandwich. Of course, he had slobbered all over his grilled cheese sandwich. And he handed it to me, a little piece of his grilled cheese sandwich. And I said, oh, that's really sweet, Jacob. Thank you. But honey, that's yours. And so I put it back on his plate. He picked it up immediately, put it back in my hand and pointed at me. He wanted me to have that grilled cheese sandwich. And he's never done that before. He's never made that connection of sharing. So that was huge. So we celebrate those little things. We haven't seen it this week, any of these things, but we know it's there because we see it. And so thinking about the ways in which he's kind of encouraging you to grow as a person to celebrate the small milestones, circling back to where you were as you're kind of coming to terms with the diagnoses and, you know, bringing your greatest fear to light and what do you think had this not have happened where would you have been headed in your career and your life and how is that different from how this has transpired so my past so in my former life I was an elementary school teacher so I already had that background I love kids I love that whole nurturing aspect after my first one was born I took some time off so I was a stay-at-home mom I, I was always planning on going back to work but I wanted to be there with my kids. So how did this change my whole life? I feel like this has been the greatest gift that has ever happened to my family. It was a hidden gift because I feel like because of Jacob, it has inspired me to do so much more good in this world. I mean, he has inspired me to do, to, to be bigger than myself. And that twist, I mean, I guess we're always looking for those philanthropic causes. We're always looking to give out. You know, I think as us humans, we feel better when we give. And so this has taken my whole journey now of life, of being me-centered and my life to, wait a minute, this isn't about me at all. This is about Jacob. This is about all other individuals who have very, their lives are just as important as anyone else. Their stories are just as valid and they need to be told, they need to be heard and people need to see them as humans. And so it's lit this fire in my heart to start this, this world of advocacy, starting with my son and going to people now from around the world. So I highlight, in fact, this week I'm highlighting a little guy from the Netherlands who has Down syndrome. And so th that's how, for me, that's what it's, it's done. It's inspired me on this path of like, how can I give more? How can I, how can I be more? How can I help more? And I, it goes back to my dad of what he, mm -hmm. you know, he's his, his wise words. And so that's where I, that's how I've taken it. It's so, so as you were speaking in the beginning, I was like getting chills when you talked about your dad and those listening to the podcast know, like when I'm like, I have chills, like it's like 
truth like ignites something in my nervous system and I'm like, ooh, I like have goosebumps. I'm just over um, here in a corner crying, it's fine. And, and so I was waiting for what you did before Jacob, not to be like, before Jacob, blah, 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 but because it's so fascinating and this is what happens and one of the reasons I love being part of the duo of this podcast because I think often we choose our paths, our lives before we come onto this earth and we all have different mm. reasons. But for me, I just... I believe that we choose our body, we choose our families, we choose the trajectory that we may find, and all of those just come, and it's kind of like we're relearning what we chose before we entered our body. And so listening to your story, you know, when you said your greatest fear came to life, but you're doing something really amazing with that, and you're just kind of watching a small idea turn into something bigger and larger than yourself, starting with your child... Uh, and then, you know, you started your career in elementary school and working with children. And here you are developing your own opportunity to mm-hmm. celebrate the lives of children, but outside of the system that, quite frankly, doesn't really nurture our children, and especially Absolutely. those with a disability mm-hmm. or on the spectrum or mm-hmm. needs any kind of assistance, we really limit the opportunities that that child or that family, especially mm-hmm. without resources, is going to have it integrating into the community, into the school system, into mm-hmm. a family setting, uh, and that's a whole another conversation. Sure. But I find it so kind of maybe exciting is the wrong word, but I just love hearing how when you look back milestone after milestone after milestone, it becomes this new entrepreneurial opportunity to bring good into the lives of others. Thank you. Yeah, it it has. And it's, it's not like I tell everyone, I feel like Project Just Like You has a life of its own. I'm simply here. I nurture it. I kind of you know, it's like a, I compare it to, or I do the analogy of like a tree or like a, you know, you come out there and you trim a little bit and you cut it, but it has a life of its own. And it's amazing for me. Like, I feel like it's a gift that's been handed and it's amazing to watch this thing grow. In fact, we are, we just did a whole crowdsourcing campaign and in 12 days time, we raised all the money we need to make a short film. So we're going to make a short film in, in the end of September and I use a lot of my kids from from a project just like you. And we actually have a few, spla- I call them splashes, but bigger names. And I don't want to say who those people are yet because, yeah. <laughs> you know, first surprise, but second off, you know, I just have to get all the details sure. down first. Of course. But um, we are, we're doing this and we're going to release it on World Person Disability Day, which is December 3rd. And ironically, it's also Jacob's birthday. So... <laughs> Again, the synchronicity of life, choosing a day to be born that happens to correspond to National Disability Day, which happens to launch a movie into the world. <laughs> mm. No, I'm like, so I'm struggling to keep my shit together. Um, so what are, what are some of the things that you learned about running a nonprofit that you were kind of not expecting? Because it's a, it's an interesting world for sure. Is it an interesting world? Um, yes, you know, everything. I from, from creating a board, and that's something I'm struggling with because this has been the project that I created. And it's, I don't even know why, like I feel like it's so fluid on its own. I, why do I need a board? But I have to have a board in order to keep my nonprofit status. So how to, you know, I'm, I'm talking to other, 
executive directors and other directors out there who are doing this and I'm and getting advice from them and I'm getting encouragement because it's scary to take this on on your own. I mean, my husband's a wonderful help, but neither one of us have ever run a nonprofit. Yeah. I sit on a few of young professional boards in Richmond, which is nice because I'm getting I'm getting a good feel for what this is about. But truly, this whole path began late September of last year. And I feel like it's just launched me in 180 now. And it's a whole new world. Like everything is just in a whole new world. I went from playdates and mom's groups to running a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, which a lot of people don't realize when you run a nonprofit, just as a backstory on legal here, yeah. like you file your corporate paperwork. <laughs> And then you have to file a 501c3 um, with the IRS, and that's what gets you your nonprofit status. Yeah. And so the basis of running a nonprofit is the same as running a corporate entity, which is yeah. crazy. And it's like you go from being like, I'm going to do this thing and like help people to, oh, crap, I'm running a corporation. And it's not the small corporation either. Like there are closely held corporations that fall under like S-class, S-subclass. No, this is like a full-blown the same kind of corporation as Coke or Nike or like those big names. So it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people don't realize that and all that goes into it. And it's crazy because there's boards and directors oh gosh, and it's insane. It's filings insane. and like yes. minutes and all that. And you have to be responsible for that. And it's, and it makes awesome. me very nervous. Yeah. It does make me <laughs> nervous. And so how did you, what, became the beginnings of this advocacy, Instagram, story sharing opportunity. And then when was the point that you said, wow, like I can turn this into something bigger? Yeah. So really that happened around the winter time. And it was one of my friends who's an attorney who said, Molly, I think you need to look at this as a nonprofit because if you get a big check from somebody, you need to have some, a place to put this. Right. And I, you know, and I thought it, I thought that was very sage advice. And so really that's, that's where the whole transition came. And then I thought, well, if I want to do this movie, because this movie idea also came to me back in the winter time, that that's probably going to be the safest route to go down is to do a nonprofit. So she ended up filing for me. Do you want to give her a shout out or no? Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany is awesome. And she has been, she's actually one of my friends from high school. So I've Amazing. known her for years. Yeah. And she just was so supportive. She's, so, she's so supportive of a project just like you. And she said, Molly, you need to do this. And it, it just made sense. It's like I was saying, how has a life of its own? So if I'm, even though I'm not seeing step by step, it's all evolving to this, yeah. this greater entity. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure running a podcast. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. totally like, oh, it. we're just going to interview people. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we're, we're going to be, we're flying to New York to interview people. Okay. That's cool. That um, is so awesome. I love that. So I, I guess I want to hear a little bit more about what the Instagram story sharing opportunity was and, you know, what is yeah, it about it for those who might not follow you yet sure. or don't know about it? Like, why would people be handing you money for your Instagram um, yeah. account? Can you tell us a little bit about kind of the development behind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, I started off Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And the whole concept behind Project Just Like You was when I look at Jacob, I see my son. I see a person. I do not see a stigma. I do not see a label. I see a little boy. And I wanted the world to see Jacob the same way I saw him. And so I take these pictures and say, Jacob is, at that time, 
18 months old and he likes to wrestle with his sisters. He likes to play with games. He likes to listen to books, just like your two-year-old, just like your child. And so then I started asking my friends because I thought this is much bigger than Jacob. And I feel like, again, going back to every single person has a story. Project Just Like You's emblem or a little um, symbol is a, is a megaphone because it is there to show that it's there to represent the people who may not get to share their stories, the underrepresented. And I feel like a lot of the times the special needs community and they're amazing, they're talented people. In fact, as I, I told someone one time, I started this off as Project Just Like You, but really this has become Project Amazing because these people go so far above and beyond what most of us take for granted. Mm -hmm. And I started, inter I started highlighting these amazing kids, one who has a law after her in Delaware, one that you know was on a billboard up in New York City. I mean, these people are just doing incredible things with their lives. And it is so incredibly inspiring. And it went way beyond the just like you. I mean, like, I think it's just what we all try to aspire to be. Like these people just, they just do it. They don't have any, a lot of them don't have fear. They don't have boundaries. In fact, the young man that I highlighted today, James, he, his mom said he is a daredevil. He doesn't care. He just goes for it. Like he's doing zip lining this summer. He's doing kayaking. He's down syndrome. And this, this guy is just doing it all. He's living life to its fullest. And so that's what I'm trying to accomplish with Project Just Like You is showing these, showing how they're people and they're just living the same way that we're living and we're, they're doing the same stuff. And I feel like once you break down those barriers of, of the stigmas or the prejudices, once you get past that, then you see the person and that's where the friendship can begin. And that's what I focus on. Yeah. What would you yeah. say to, um, I know there are some people that maybe are nervous interacting with people with disabilities because they don't sure. know the best way to interact. Um, what would you say to them or like, what's a good way to start? Absolutely. Just ask questions, ask questions. You know, so many people in this, you're right. And we in America, we in the Western world want to do our own thing. We're going to politely walk past somebody and when we get in the car, they're okay. So mom, what's going on with that person out there? What's going on? You know, why are they, why do they have a walker? Why then? But the better solution is to engage with them. Hey, I see that you have, now I'm speaking this because I have children. I see that you have Hello Kitty hubcaps on your, on your wheelchair. My daughter loves Hello Kitty. Tell me about that. When did you, you know, do, do you enjoy, what other cartoons do you enjoy? And you make that connection. You make that engagement right there. So it's all about engagement and people in the special needs world, for the most part, I can't speak for everyone, mm -hmm. but the people that I have encountered, including myself, we want people to ask questions because that's how through dialogue, that's how friendships begin. So it's all about dialogue and it's all about engagement. And, and, and that's what I, I hit home when I talk to mom's groups, when I go, I mean, I do public speaking now, when I talk to these different groups, that's what I, that's the message that I carry is make conversations. Just treat us like you would anybody else. What do you say to parents who maybe are scared that their child will say something or do something that like offends either another parent of a child or who has maybe disabilities or sure. that other child with disabilities? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, please know that us moms and dads, 
in the special needs community. Oh, and yes. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, absolutely. No, 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 no. Um, I could, well, you all think that way, but um, yeah. You know, there's all different types of families out right. there. And yeah. Moms and dads. Absolutely. That mental slip. Man. No. <laughs> it happens. It happens. It happens. It happens. Anyways, parents. Parents. So when you see parents out there, we are prepared for these questions. We're prepared for the, um, you know, like, why does your child, like, what's wrong with their legs or what's going on with, with the wheelchair or we're prepared for that stuff. So it, it does in our mind, we think, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. I can't believe my child asked that question, but we're actually prepared for that. We're excited because that's how we start dialogue. You know, when my, my son, like I said, when he does something that seems inappropriate in public, it's okay for other people to ask why. Now I can tell you, my son has autism. And, but while he has autism, he's just like you. He just likes to play. He likes to do this. He likes to do whatever it is. And, and I really feel like that, that, that we just have to get over for the, the embarrassment side. Yeah. Of like our kids yeah. being like, we, it, it, there is a difference. Why? Like, right. why is that a thing? Well, well they're also their own person. Yeah. Yes. And we are so attached to them being us and representational of who we are that, Sometimes we just are projecting our own securities all over Absolutely. our children and they become yes. an extension of ourselves right. rather than recognizing that they have their own little lives and lessons to learn and grow and evolve. And as the parent, your role is truly to nurture that. Yes. You know, as as you feel a parent does, and that's different to everyone, but the more parents can recognize children as little humans with yeah. their own trajectory right the easier it can become to separate that sense of emotional attachment to I mean it's hard but yes that was deep become more attainable uh it's really fascinating to me the autism spectrum and children with disabilities I watch a lot of documentaries Mm -hmm. and I think in so many of my interactions with those on spectrum, those who come into the world with their own gifts, I see them as gifts. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a capacity to see things that we mainstream humans cannot grasp. Absolutely. And they have little clips of wisdom and they have little things they look at that to our eyes we can't see. But I truly believe that they might be looking at something that I just, with the way my neurological brain and synapses and whatever is firing I just can't grasp uh and there is some speak throughout random channels that I listen to that autism is the new human Mm. and that uh there are so many autistic children Mm -hmm. lives coming around that we traditional humans um, and traditional isn't the right word, but no, mainstream. No, mainstream. I just right. get sick of saying the same word adjective. Um, but <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> it, it's fascinating to me because, you know, to an extent, when you take away the emotional and the relational aspect of oneself, you can get rid of fear and move a hell of a lot faster toward these really technological and medical advancements. And so many with Asperger's are insanely brilliant humans. Insanely brilliant. Yeah. And it's it's us mainstream folk who say like, oh, this doesn't work the way that I work.
work and so that's a projection that's an expectation right. that we want right. to develop right because we're relational Absolutely. however that person is insanely smart they don't understand that other stuff and they're just moving ahead creating yes. amazing things for our world yes. And then, they yeah. say Einstein actually had Asperger's. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. And then there are others on mm-hmm. the spectrum, you know, when, you know, even if they don't communicate via word, they can communicate via emotion yeah. and they can, can pick up on the anger and the frequency of the emotion that you exhibit yes. and they respond either very aggressively or violently mm-hmm. or they're very calm and quiet because they can pick up whatever is going on in your field of oh, energy yes. and, and, be very vibrational with that. So they say if there's chaos in the home, um, someone on the autistic spectrum could be very violent. And if there's peace and quiet and calm, that child is perhaps going to be much more comfortable and able to just be. So I wonder what your thoughts are about that and kind of what you've been noticing as you've been engaging with more parents and yeah. humans and just sure. this community. I love the way that you put that. That was awesome. Um, so I think you're, I think that you are definitely onto something that children who, especially I've noticed this with nonverbal children, because now that I'm in this world, I've met all kinds of wonderful little folks and big folks, especially then people who are nonverbal, they are experts at body language. When we walk past them and we don't say hi, they know. Mm-hmm. And they they can read your body like nothing else. And the way that you treat your child, there's a reason why we tell our son every day, you're a good boy. Because we want him to know that he is so loved, that he is so accepted, that he's so embraced just for being him. And it makes a monumental impact. I think it's, this, is, this, this is like every child, though, in that sense, that the way that you raise them, it's going to make a huge impact on their personality, on how they treat others, on how kind they're going to be, or how selfish. And so, yeah, we absolutely, for us, try to raise Jacob in an environment of serenity and peace. I'm not saying we're, we're 100% successful on no. that all every day, but we strive. Right? There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going on. My, girl, my girls are always at each other. Yeah, they're they're insane, but um, we love them. But (laughs) yeah, no, they're twenty months apart, so they're you know best of friends and worst of enemies. Yeah, but we try really hard, and I think you're you're absolutely right that everyone um that the children in particular that read body language that feel the energies around them, as you said, I I love the I love the way you said that that they are experts in that field, and it is more imperative. To be so truthful to yourself and be so truthful to one another in the family because that energy really does impact them. And they all they can seek is truth. Like Jacob lives in a world of truth. And authenticity and intuition. I, I think this conversation is really interesting because I think as humans, we get so caught up in our thoughts, in our brains, and we're constantly overthinking a situation. And sometimes when we start providing words to an experience that we have, or we try, I try, I have been doing this a lot. I'm just realizing this more and more about myself. But when you start trying to conceptualize how you're feeling or what you're thinking about, about thinking about something, you just start leaving your body Mm. and you're no longer able to connect to the experience that you're actually having to put in words. Mm. And there's this very primal aspect of ourselves as individuals 
that creates space and that space for intuition and that space to pick up more information than in an environment, in a situation, in a conversation. But we're creatures of forced habit. Mm-hmm. You know, we're constantly picking up on the expectation that society provides us. We're picking up on the expectations of ourselves. We're mm-hmm. talking ourselves into something that doesn't feel good because someone else told us that that would be a good idea for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that when we start silencing those voices and we start mm. becoming more into stillness or finding our way outside of a mainstream space, mm-hmm then all of a sudden we can become quite clear. And oftentimes in transformation, that's the point that triggers to say this no longer works for me and I need to go my own way or do my own path or I need time alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is tapping into more of this intuitive feeling that I think a lot of children with disability are able to tap into because they don't have the chatter or the chit chat or they can't grasp that yes. aspect of reality that we've constructed and it becomes a question you know and this becomes a really complicated crazy conversation about what is reality uh-huh. <laughs> and then we just decided what reality was yeah. <laughs> in this one hour podcast it's fun. but i mean those we have figured it out you know i think like reality is what we create what is life I know. These are the questions I ask myself, guys. You don't want to be in my journal. <laughs> Maybe you do. You learn a lot about me. Caroline is shaking her head. I love it. I think it's great. I but think I think, you know, that's the thing when we look at the layers of what it is to be human. Like, mm-hmm. what is right or wrong? We've just labeled a bunch of things and put a stamp on it in terms mm-hmm. of saying, like, this is the way in which we do things. But mm-hmm. it is. It's creating those dialogues and getting to know and fostering connection that you know teaches us about ourselves and who we are as individuals absolutely so speaking about being individual different things work for different puzzle pieces yeah so what are some of the things that you do with jacob that have proven successful what are some things that you decided like oh this does not work for us because i know every child is different sure and every person is different yeah 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 um so with jacob We've given him the space to just be a kid. I don't think, I mean, while, of course, it's on my mind if he has autism, it's not something that engages me. So we have given him, like, we go to romp and roll together. He loves it. I mean, he may not always interact with the other kids, but he is well aware of the other kids. And he loves to be around people. I mean, this is the huge progress. Yeah. Jacob went from zoning out not aware of anybody, to now finally wanting to engage in his own way. And I think a lot of the time other children don't quite understand. They may not understand his way of communication, but he wants to be there. And so we have found out that with Jacob, he likes people. He likes to be around faces that have, I won't say crowded, because that's that goes into another realm. So when if we give you an example. We went down to the beach for our family vacation and we were at a hotel there and Jacob was, we were all at breakfast together and Jacob started screaming in the middle of breakfast in the, the lobby area we're eating and his, he was in sensory overload. So we also have to take into account that Jake, that can happen with Jacob. He can get sensory overload where things become too loud. He covers his ears and he says, no, no, no. So it's a balance and we don't know, we don't know though what's going to come out. We don't know if it's, it's 
you know, he tends to do better, I think, with kids his own age versus a bunch of adults. So we try to keep these things in mind. But we have, like I said, we've noticed that Jacob does enjoy being fun with children. He does enjoy engage. He loves listening to books. He's He loves music. Oh my gosh, that little boy. In fact, you we, we turn on the, the music in the van and he's dancing to the music. And if we turn it off or if we turn off the engine, Jacob loses it. I mean, he gets so mad. He's like, no, no. And, and we didn't understand. But now we understand. If we turn off the music, it's a constant battery. He gets really mad at us for turning off music. He gets mad if he sees somebody leave. Like, he doesn't like to see anyone in his family leave him. So he, um, you know, so we, we're, we're figuring out these little idiosyncrasies. That's such a great question because we're figuring out these little idiosyncrasies. But we are learning about Jacob. And I think that Jacob is also learning about Jacob. And uh, so hopefully we can one day all, <laughs> all learn <together>. be in sync. <laughs> so this is a tough question. Yeah. How has it been for the girls with heightened awareness and focus oh, on Jacob? God. And how do they respond to working together as a family? And, and how do you kind of mitigate that? I'm going to try to tell you this, these stories without crying. I'll cry too. It's fun. <laughs> I literally just like see people thinking about crying. I'm just like... I know. I've got a granola bar commercial during the Olympics. Like, that's what level I'm on. Well, and I'm like the bitch of the podcasting. Like, tell me all of these things because these are authentic conversations. I sure love it, though. considering as well. And I love the way you think. Uh, it's really, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. Um, so my girls have become the most ultra-sensitive children towards anyone they feel is different. Mary Grace, my, my middle one. I picked her up from preschool and there was a little boy with autism that was in her class. And she got into the car and she said, mommy, Jaden's this little boy's name. I want you to know that I came up to Jaden today and I gave him a hug because I saw him struggling. My little fiber, I saw him struggling and I didn't want him to think that he was alone. So I wanted him to know that I was with him. And the mother had actually just texted me and said, Jakeman told me that Mary Grace came up to him and gave him a hug. And she said, I can't tell you how much this means to me because every day when I send my child into school, I am so worried about him being bullied or something happening to him that's not kind. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's what essentially her text was. And little Mary Grace came in the car. Like I said, she just, she said, I just wanted him to know that he was not alone. And I'm his friend, mommy. And I love the way that Jacobin thinks because it's different than me. And I am so proud to be friends with Jacob because he thinks different than me. And that is a good thing, mommy. That's a good thing that we think differently from one another. And that is a good thing that we can get along because different is good, mommy. And I, she used this word, I celebrate Jacobin like I celebrate Jacob. And I was left Speechless. I think I made a Facebook post about it actually because it was like, holy crap, what did my five-year-old say to me? And she feels this so strongly in her heart. And for my daughter, Emma, Emma's my oldest, her first grade teacher this past year, there was a little boy that has autism that walked into her room accidentally. He was going off to lunch. He got sidetracked and walked in their room and it was sweet Emma. They came up to him and said, hi. So I see you're playing with blocks in our room. She was, because all the rest of the kids, of course, were staring. And I see you're playing with blocks because he went over and put some blocks. She goes, I like to play with blocks too. She's like, can I help you get back to 
your teacher? Her teacher was coming over to the door. And so sweet Emma walked next to this little boy and took him over to, helped him back to his teacher who got him back to lunch. The teacher came up to me and said, you will never believe that's how I know what happened. Because she said, you will never believe what happened today. And how Emma came and de-escalated the situation with compassion and kindness. And that day when we were sitting in the hotel where Jacob had that meltdown, I was decompressing his legs because that helps reset his brain, actually. So I was doing deep compressions on his legs. And Emma comes over to me and it was, it was stressful because the whole place was staring at us. Mm-hmm. All eyes were on us. And there are a lot of people who are just like, oh, why can't you control your Call your child. child. Absolutely. Like, why you discipline them? Yes, like, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. Lots of judgment. Lots of people who know better. That, right. Yeah. Because they all have children with autism. Yeah. Um, Emma comes over to me during this time, put her hand on my shoulder and said, mommy, it is times like this where I am so proud to be Jacob's sister. Like in the middle of everything, we had all these people staring at us. And she just said, I am so proud to be Jacob's sister. And I will, again, like when my little Mary Grace got into the car and started talking about her little boy, Jakeman, my heart just bursted with pride because I feel like they're learning and they are applying what they're seeing. And to me, I feel like that was a mom win. While well, my mom fails, mom wins. That's a mom win. That's a life win. I mean, and how inspiring as well to be the mom and to be a parent and to know that your efforts and how you're treating your kids and what you're doing to nurture them and the conversations you're fostering, like that all comes back to you as a parent and to you as, you know, someone who takes this information and uses it the way that you preach you know you're not just saying this is what you do but you're integrating it into Mm -hmm. your life and into your family and it's your children that are the proof of the pudding and they're going to be the leaders of this world Mm -hmm. able to interact with those who are different and those who respond differently with love and kindness Mm -hmm. which especially right now is such a win thank you for saying that and you know and I I have said that and there's also proof that they actually listen to me yeah you do do listen to me Um, you you mean you can hear me oh right (laughs) I think it's you know I, I look back at my younger self and I was a bitch like I was such a witch as a child which is so fascinating because I like did a 360 but I no, definitely you're still, no, <laughs> I, I mean yeah maybe no I you're am. not you're amazing it's within me a witch and a bitch guys somewhere in there no um, I don't believe it but I you know I look back at my younger self and I would never have had the courage to support I would have felt deeply for that individual but probably I wouldn't have known how to support in that moment mm. and I probably would have done something afterwards but I look there are moments in my life where I look back and I'm like what was it holding you back from being kind in those situations mm. why you knew better why didn't you act in a way that you know you would with more wisdom or confidence mm. or self-esteem and I wouldn't say it's because that was how I was raised but I would say you know like there just wasn't conversation about differences, you know? Mm-hmm. No one was talking about there was the golden rule, but no one gave examples or showed any instances where that was modeled. Mm. And so at such a young age, without someone showing you how to be or, you know, what something looks like tangibly so that you can say, like, this is what I do in this situation, 
um, it can be really challenging mm-hmm. to stand up in a space where you just don't know, you know it doesn't feel right, but you don't know how to act. Right. And yeah. so in a family where you guys are talking about these things and constantly demonstrating, that's so powerful for those girls to be leaders in those classrooms mm-hmm. and say to you, you know, this is how you support another life. Mm-hmm. This is how you show kindness. This mm-hmm. is how they're leaders mm, thank of you the for classroom they're leaders of the school they're leaders they're teaching their teachers because they think also in school systems teachers don't understand how to deal with um, disability at times mm. there are those trained that come in as classroom aides but they have 30 mm. plus kids in a classroom sure and again like those who have the opportunity to just show what kindness looks like in a mm. tangible way it's such a powerful Thank you. Experience. I I totally agree with you. And that is one of the things that I say over and over and over again when I talk to people about why did you start Project Just Like You? Fundamentally, this world is not a nice place. And it needs to be a nice place for my son and for all people who are indeed, quote, different, whatever that means. And we need to be more compassionate. We need to be more loving. And we need to see people as just people, no matter what walk of life they've come from. And so that is a, that's, that's a passion that drives me, is that I, I feel like I, the, the motto for Project Just Like You is changing the world one story at a time. And that's why I'm driven every single day to share a new story, is because we need a more compassionate world. We need a more tolerant world. We need a little more inclusive world. And... This is this is the way that I feel called to do that. Oh, I'm like just I'm a hot mess. I can't handle anything, um, and I'm crying. So I've forgotten to do most of the things I was supposed to do during this episode. Okay, um, so if they want if people are interested, yeah, in finding you online, which I wish we could literally sit here and talk about this forever, because I'd probably dry out. I would dry up. Um, if you want to find your mind and read your stories and, and yeah. know what and see Jacob's little sweet face, which I've been creeping on the internet as we sit here and looking <laughs> at that as well, because I'm nuts. And um, where do we go? Um, Project Just Like You. We, we have a website, projectjustlikeyou.org. You can also find us at Facebook, which is Project Just Like You. Instagram, same handle. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and we are also on Twitter as well, but I am not very... <laughs> We're We're on Twitter. Twitter. We all say Twitter is, you know, Twitter is secondary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this movie that will come out yeah. in December, hopefully we'll get more information so yeah, you can direct people there. Of course. There. I hope you guys were planning to do a viewing party beforehand. Amazing. So we'd love to for you for you both to come yeah, to that. Yeah, we're we'll there. We'll be there. Awesome. We'll Yay. Right, I'll be there and just cry the whole time. It's fine. You can just wheel me out after it's over. <laughs> I love this episode because it shows that Caroline, the glass lawyer, not oh. she's not glass at all because she's Caroline and cries a lot, I but she has time. melted. She's now the watery lawyer. Yeah, I cry constantly. Like I, it's bad. I like it. Oh, all the feelings. I love I it. Cried. All the feels. All the right. feelings. This is why I could never do family law. It's so tough because it's like stories like this that just get me and I just like get so <laughs> jazzed by them I'm like tell me more about that and let's find the magic in it <laughs> anyway you can find us magical unicorns at www.nexttuesdaypodcast.com you can find us on instagram facebook 
Twitter at Podcast. You can email us at nexttwospodcast at gmail.com. And you can rate, review, subscribe, stalk us, Google us, do whatever you want. <laughs> it's fun. Through the interwebs with Just us. Just find us. Anyway, see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.